Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Dealmaker Diaries. Today, we have with us Joey Muir who is co-founder and partner at Wealth Without Wall Street, an online community that seeks to re-educate business owners and families on how money truly works. Wall Street is not just a street in New York that puts Americans' money at risk, but it's also a commonly taught mindset. Wealth Without Wall Street exists to help people who want to become financially free without ever having to invest through Wall Street or becoming debt-free. So let's give Joy a warm welcome to the show. Let's go. I can hear the demons call when they do what they do. And now I feel like taking off, find a place with a view. The pain is never gonna stop if it's controlling you. I know the time can heal it all. So, Joey, welcome to the show. How are you today? Man, never better, my friend. I appreciate the time to, to speak with like minded folks. Oh, definitely. Likewise, likewise. So, Joey, I'm, I'm hearing you. Um, You've just about completed your um, new book, Wealth Without Wall Street. Congratulations on that. Man, thank you. It, uh, I mentioned to you ahead of time, it is a labor of love and it, it is definitely not what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be a lot easier, but the more you pour over the words, the more you realize that there's imperfections and things that you want to make better. And you just second guess yourself and you rewrite and you rewrite and you're like, at some point you're just like, okay, it has to be done. It has to be done. So I'll be glad when it's uh, completed and, and out. And, and what was your inspiration into writing this book and getting it completed? What did you want to you accomplish? Know, yeah, I think a couple of things. Number one, it is just a documentation of a process that I personally went through. Um, uh, Russ and I are partners now, but he was my coach and we kind of haphazardly figured out some things that weren't well organized. And so I think writing out the book helped us to determine what were the steps that we took that were successful? What were the things we needed to maybe keep out of the story that weren't really helpful? Like that we could save people time and energy on their own path to financial freedom. So I think it helped us organize our thoughts and it helped us to document or memorialize something that is really amazing, like to be able to, to go from, you know, a overworked corporate employee to financially free, uh, being able to spend more time with his family. Like that's the kind of transformation that so many people want. And we wanted to lay it out and give people an easy path to follow. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy reading that. But I think that's the, that's the path a lot of people can't see for themselves when they're stuck in stuck in the nine to fives and the rat race. They just maybe can't see a way out. So I think. Well, I, well, you you mentioned to me before the show, like I'm not a big fan of Wall Street. Well, I'm not a big fan of the programming that Wall Street and big banks and the government, for that matter, have really given us they given us this idea that you know you need to go to school work hard get top grades go to college get a job a good paying job 
invest in 401ks and IRAs and things like this so that one day you can possibly be free and retire. And all of it is a scam. Yeah. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, you can have financial freedom today. Like, why would we defer that until we're in our 60s when we may not even have our health? Yeah. Like, exactly. what good is that? So anyways, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of giving people a vision that it has not been traditionally handed down. It, it wasn't for me. I don't know about you, Donald, but no, definitely not. No. Like my parents didn't know any better and they did the best they could. But man, now that I know it, I can't help but want to share it. Yeah. Red pill, green, blue pill, right? That's right. For sure. So Mark, so speaking of that, and we're talking about um, financial freedom and getting rid of a lot of debt. So debt freedom doesn't equal financial freedom, right? I know a lot of people say that you, you hear a lot of people talking about, I want to be debt free. But when you accomplish that, it doesn't necessarily mean you're financially free, right? Can you talk about the differences between those two terms? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're we're talking about financial freedom and just, I, I didn't create this. I'm just regurgitating the rich dad, poor dad, and probably somebody before him. Passive income greater than monthly expenses equals freedom, right? If I wake up tomorrow and I know that there's money in my mailbox that exceeds the expenses it takes for me to live. Let's just put a number on it. Let's say it costs you $10,000 a month to operate your household, your mortgage, your car note, your grocery bill, your power, utilities, whatever it may be, it's $10,000. And you have a check in your mailbox that's $10,000. What can you do with your time from this day forward? whatever you want, right? You don't have to go to work. You don't have to take that next phone call or go help that client that you don't necessarily want to help. If you're a business owner, you now get to dictate what you do with your time. So it's a simple formula, right? It's financial freedom is passive income greater than monthly expenses. So for someone to focus in on that debt freedom is what their real goal is, they haven't solved the other side of the equation, right? Because you can't pay off the cost of living. So even if I got rid of all the debt in my monthly expense column, I still have groceries. I still have gas. I still have insurance. I still have medical costs. Like whatever those things are, the cost of living is still present. So how am I going to ever be free if I've paid off all my debt and I don't have any passive income? Right. See, we've got to be in the game to take active income and to transfer it into passive income. If we're not doing that, we're only playing defense. We're not playing offense. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and can you talk a little bit about, um, so as far as passive income goes, how one can leverage debt to create that passive income? Because I think a lot of people get confused if they equate debt as all debt being bad debt. So, I mean, there's good debt as well, where, I mean, you could, debt is good, where you can leverage that and you can leverage that and achieve, like you said, where your passive income exceeds your expenses, even if there's debt there, it's, it's, it's great, right? Because you're leveraging that. A hundred percent. Like once you get clear on the formula, all of a sudden your mindset shifts, right? Uh, and this happens to people in our community all the time. Just the other day, there was a guy saying, hey, I have this mutual fund. I think it was like 150K. And he said, um, I don't know, uh, what, what would you do if you were me? He said, 
to me, it seems like it's just a dead asset sitting there that I can't control. I can't do anything with, but if I could take that 150 K and turn it into passive income, I would be light years ahead of just waiting for it to return some sort of, you know, annualized gain. So he started to think differently. I'll give you another example, the equity in your house, right? People think, well, it's a, it's a good thing that I have all this equity in my house because why? Because Dave Ramsey and everybody else has said, you need to pay off your house, right? That's the most important thing. So something, nobody can come steal it from you and take it from you. That's a scarce mindset. Yeah. When you start thinking about, man, I could get a 30-year mortgage. And again, this is just in the last year or so, you could get mortgages in the 3% range, right? If I could take that money and I could go and put that money into even a syndication deal, right? that you, I know you're an expert in that, you put those deals together. I mean, what's realistic for somebody to see as a gain in a syndication deal? Well, I mean, usually for ours, you're getting eight to 10% annually, right? And then with an right. exit of three times equity, no, two times equity multiplier. So say you put in a hundred thousand, that's 10,000 a year, right? Yeah, so if that's the case, if, if, it, if I could get a mortgage at 3% or even 4%, and I could get 8% in a, uh, a syndication, I could essentially double that money, right? Right, right. Why, so if I chose to pay down my mortgage instead of investing in a syndication deal or whatever the passive income is over here, I'm in a sense, I'm taking money away from that formula that could be providing me freedom. And I'm just literally trying to pay off the debt as fast as I can. It is not getting me closer to financial freedom. So we have to start thinking um, better about leverage. I'll give you one last example. Last year, I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was like, man, the equity in your neighborhood has gone up dramatically. And I wasn't paying attention. I just moved here less than two years before. And uh, I was like right at the two-year mark almost. And I was like, well, I didn't put hardly any money down on this house. I probably don't have much equity. He's like, you might need to look at it. I looked at it. I had over $100,000 in equity in this house. I went and took an equity line out on that property for $107,000 or something like that. I immediately took that, invested it into a, a, an oil and gas type of um, yeah. investment that created a immediate 200% tax deduction. So I got $200,000 deduction on a $100,000 investment and it produces $40,000 a year in um, recurring passive income. Wow. From a hundred K investment. From a hundred K. Wow. And so to me, some people would say, oh my gosh, Joey, don't take equity out of your house. That's scary. That's not, that's not a good thing. I think what you said, leverage. Yeah, can I take a hundred thousand and turn it into 40,000 a year, yeah. not to mention the tax deduction that I just got or 200K. And what is my actual cost per month? It was nothing. It was like, it was like $100 a month or something like that um, on, based on some introductory rates. So I, I can't help but win in that scenario. So why don't I think leverage if I'm trying to get to that formula of passive income greater than monthly expenses? I don't know if that fully answer your question, but that's how I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that all goes to mindset, right? 100%.
So yeah, I think this would be a good segue when you talk. So I've heard you mention investor DNA. So what is that and why should one only invest when following theirs? So the, the great question is, uh, most people say, oh, well, I love the name Wealth Without Wall Street. What do you invest in? They immediately want to know, what's the investment? And the reality is, is that's the wrong question to ask. It's, um, as Robert Kiyosaki says, there's no good or bad investments, only good or bad investors, right? So are you a good or bad investor? And the, the issue isn't necessarily if you're good or bad, it's more about who are you as an investor? Like how has God created you to see the world, to perceive um, different investment types and things? And, and what are the things that really fire you up? And what are the things that you just really dislike? And those are all part of your makeup, right? And we call that the investor DNA profile. It's a, an assessment that we created that it follows the DISC profile. Have you ever done a DISC assessment before, Donald? I have not. So it's like the, if you're a high D, it's like you're a driver personality. If you're high I, it means you're like the life of the party, the, the person that always wants to be kind of center of the attention. The high S is somebody who's super loyal and really like in a supportive type of mentality. And a high C is like super detailed and organized and follows process as well. Well, all those things apply to different passive income ideas. Like if I said, hey, we've had a lot of success with a land flipping business that's done for you. Well, I could hold up that investor DNA and say, well, the high I really doesn't love the land flipping business if they can't have any say-so in it or any influence in it, right? But the high C person loves it because they know the details, they can follow it, they can look at the reporting, and they they love watching those numbers go up every single month. So you need to look at who you are with this assessment and determine what are the pros, what are the cons, and what are the resources or, or key factors that you need to be aware of? How much time does it take? How much money does it take, capital up front? How much selling is required? Um, there's a lot of those questions that you have to answer, and, and we built that assessment to try to help people really dial in just because it works for me or for you, Donald, doesn't mean it's the best fit for that other investor who's listening right now. You need to really dial in on who you are and then determine the best fit of an investment. Okay, definitely. And I'm sure in that assessment, risk tolerance plays a, a big factor in that as well. It does. But for me, the things that we're talking about risk is is not as high of a priority as it is time as it is um you're dealing with people um as it is dealing with like the the public versus individuals there's a lot of factors that we put behind it and these are all things that either we've done or someone in our community have done and so we've gathered their insights from each one and put them in so you have real life experience um, dictating like the outcome of it. Okay. Got it. Got it. All right. And, and before the show, we, we were talking about 401ks. Uh, so let's, let's talk about why you and I think 401ks are the worst vehicles for financial freedom. Well, I mean, Donald, I, I don't know if we can swear on your 
your show. Like you're, you're sitting here throwing out swear words like wall street and 401k. Like we don't, we don't use those words on my show. Okay. It's a family family show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Like we can talk about it um, from the standpoint of like the technical side. Like I think most people, when they hear that we're not fans of 401k, they say, well, what about the interest, the rate of return? And I get a, I get a match from my employer. That's a good thing, right? I get a hundred percent match. That means I get free money. Like this is good for me. And the, the showstopper is just when I say, Donald, what, when do you want to be financially free? And let's say they're in their thirties or whatever. And they say, I mean, within the next five years, like every day that goes by, I don't want to miss another time with my daughter's, you know, ballet recital where I have to ask off of work just to go. Right. Or I don't want to miss another beach trip because I'm up in the condo taking another phone call from work that just popped up that I have to take when I really want to be with my kids. I want to be financially free today. And I say, quit, put money in 401k because it immediately goes in the face of what you're telling me. You say you want freedom today and you're literally putting money into a vehicle that restrains your access until you're 59 and a half or later. That You're contradicting yourself. Don't do that. Don't buy into this mirage of a high rate of return or, or hopeful rate of return for the purpose of missing out on freedom today. Like that, that, that's my argument with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another one. So I think a lot of people that I speak with, so I mean, I'm in insurance as well. So I talk a lot to a lot of people about insurance and whole insurance versus term insurance and how infinite banking comes in. Can we, can we talk a little bit about infinite banking? Absolutely, man. Yeah, I, I will say this. Infinite banking was the basis of where all this started for me. I was in the mortgage business, uh, working for Wells Fargo at the time. And my buddy Russ was a good friend of mine. He said, man, I'm going to start sending you referrals, but you need to understand this concept called infinite banking because all my clients are doing it. And I don't want you to screw something up by telling them to do a 15-year mortgage or some stupid thing like that. I said, oh, okay, whatever. And so he gives me the book and I read it. And I thought, this is what I've been missing. I had no idea that there was a place I could put cash where I could gain access to it, keep access to it. I could insure my family against any loss of my life. And then subsequently on others that I could insure. And it grows tax-free and can be passed on to the next generation tax-free. And that's all I could see. And I thought, this is a brilliant idea, right? So I start going around to the different people at the bank that I work with. And I'm talking like the business bankers, the investment advisors, like the high-end people, the VPs of the bank. And I say, hey, you know, a buddy of mine told me about this infinite banking thing. It's where you buy whole life insurance and you use this, it's it's maximized for cash value. It's not like buying a bunch of death benefit. You're reducing the death benefit. Uh, what do you think of that? And these VPs of the bank are like, Joey, you've been sold, man. That's stupid. Like put money in the whole life insurance. Everybody knows that's a terrible place to put money. 
And you know, what was shocking to me is when I looked up the FDIC.gov balance sheet for Wells Fargo, guess how much cash value life insurance they had on the books? And this is in 2019 is the last date, last date I've looked at it. $19.2 billion. $19.2 billion. In fact, many of the people that I was asking their opinion about this well, like I said, we're vice presidents, which I don't know if you know, most of the people at the banks that are vice presidents, they just give them a title, vice mm -hmm. president. Most of them are morons. I don't know if you know that. Like, yeah. you you, re, you talk to this guy, you're like, how is this guy a vice president? Because the bank knows that if they have a title that is important, they have an insurable interest in their life. And so many of those same people had life insurance policies bought on them by the bank. Yeah. And so they're sitting there insured by the bank in the very vehicle that they told me was idiotic or stupid. And this was this is what really shocked me. The bank had a little over $10 billion in real estate holdings. So when you compare that, they had almost twice uh, their real estate holdings in life insurance cash values. I said, this is something we got to focus on because everybody knows banks have the best locations, the nicest buildings, like tons and tons of real estate. And for them to put that much more into life insurance, they know something that we don't. And so I started doing this in 2010. I put 60 grand a year into policies and it's been growing ever since then. And that was the basis. When I started putting money into these policies, it started to be this big accumulated value that I said, I have to do something with this. What am I going to do with it? And all that did is it turned that switch on that had been off for so long was like, man, there's some creativity. There's some people doing some really stinking cool things with passive income that if I could take this capital and put it to work like them, I could gain freedom today. And yeah. so I, I say this, I say this tongue in cheek, but man, I had my my light switch turned on. And that's why I want to share that with other people is that you don't have to keep putting up with the corporate grind. You don't have to keep putting up with the roller coaster of Wall Street and hoping that one day you might be able to retire. It's like, man, take control of that today. You know, like get get access to your capital and get people operators like yourself or whoever that are trustworthy that can turn that money into passive income and start following that process to that formula to freedom absolutely and so joy um cash is king but it needs a new throne what what does that mean well that it goes back to again bad programming, right? The cash, we're always saying, oh man, I need to purchase everything with cash because Dave Ramsey says cash is the only way to fly, right? Well, we've already kind of hit on it when we talk about leverage. It's like, man, if I can get my money to always be growing, that's the beautiful thing about infinite banking. When I put my money into that policy and then I go and I borrow against that, that cash value, I don't take it out right? My cash value is still in that policy, but I can go borrow against it. The insurance company allows me to do this. And I go put it to work. 
very similarly to what I just did with the equity in my house. You heard me talk about that, right? Yeah. I had an equity line. I took it, that money against the equity in my house and I put it to work. The same is true with this life insurance policy. I got equity in there and cash value. I borrow against it. It continues to grow. So not only do I get the investment that has created over 50000 a month in passive income for us, but I also have my cash in the seven figures right now continuing to grow every single year according to the contractual agreement I have with the insurance company. Yeah. So why wouldn't I want my cash to grow at the same time it's at work in all these investment vehicles? That's the beautiful thing. So no more cash. I, I get don't want to do business with banks in the way of CDs and savings account and checking account. Those things are laughable. I want them to be at work um, through my system of policies and um, and then leverage into these cash flowing assets. Okay, awesome. And you've probably touched on this, but what do you what do you think is the biggest obstacle to financial freedom? Does that go back to the same thing? Your programming? It's, yeah, exactly. I was going to say the the number one thing is programming, but the number two thing after that is access to capital. Right. If you don't have access to capital, your brain doesn't even turn on as the what's possible. Right. And here's the reality. Some someone right now is listening to us do this podcast. And they're sitting there thinking, man, I put money in my 401k. I got IRAs. I've got money in savings. I got money. I got all these different buckets. And yet, if a deal came across my desk right now, I would think I don't have any capital. Because why? Because those things have all been put away at arm's length or worse behind a penalty wall. And and I'm sharing this from experience. I was sitting there in 2009 when I was learning about this. And I would have real estate investors that I was helping with their mortgages. And they would say, man, I got this great deal Look, if you just, uh, I just need a hundred K to, to land this flip. And then I'll, I pay 20% on that, blah, 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 like good deals. And I would say, I wouldn't even consider that I could have been an investor in that deal because why? Because I was trained to continue to put money into all these places that did not give me access. And so I, that part of my brain wasn't even turned on. And yet I had over 250000 in my 401k. I had, I had all this money, but no access. And so if you have access to your capital, things start to find you. You start to see opportunities. Just like um, you ever heard of the reticular activating system? I have. Well, I've heard of the reticular. I haven't heard of the activating system, though. But... Well, just like if you go to buy a car right now and you say, man, I'm looking for this red you know, Bronco, I don't know, red Lamborghini, fill fill in the blank. And you're like, man, this is the most unique car ever. That's why I want it. You drive it off the lot and guess what you start to see everywhere? Yeah, yeah. the red Broncos, yeah. The exact same car. And you're like, wait a minute. Did they all just start of sudden, all of a sudden show up? No, they were always there. But my brain told me that this is important and to focus in on it. And so now I see it everywhere. 
It's just like passive income opportunities. And that's what our community is all about is like putting people around you who are doing deals at a high level, who are finding opportunities so that they can share with you. And now you can, you start to see things that were always there. And so anyway, putting capital in your place and then changing your mindset. Okay, great. And so I'm sure you talked about this a lot in your book. So you guys should go out and get the book, but how did you grow your passive income from 2,500 a month to over 50 K a month in two years? Can you talk about that a little? Absolutely. Um, and, and it's parts of what we've said before. What, number one, we got really dialed in on our investor DNA. We started, we stopped doing things that we just thought were cool ideas. We just, we started figuring out what are the things that we're really after and who are we as investors? Um, second thing, we educated ourselves. Like our podcast, we interviewed all these people that were doing passive income. We did that for about two years before we started to invest. And that's something I would say is, man, take time to get to know operators, take time to get to know like track records and different, uh, you know, types of investments and things like that, because you can't ever get that back, right? That's the kind of stuff you really need to focus in on. And so for us, just spending two years investing uh, energy and in interviewing people helped us to get really dialed in on what we wanted to accomplish. And so when we turned the switch, it was like, bang, we immediately were able to increase our passive income very, very quickly. We had access to capital. We put it to work in places that were um, you know, known. The operators were known. We were educated. And I mean, we've just seen it continue to grow and grow as a result. So uh, it's certainly something that you can do as well. We're not, uh, we're two country boys from Alabama. And I mean, that, that just tells you, you can do this from anywhere. Yeah. Hey, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, so I'm um, <laughs> not too far from you. For sure. Yes, sir. Okay. And that's, that's definitely a good point. What you said about getting to know operators. I think there's, there's a lot of deals out there, but there's also a lot of operators. So some good and some not so good. So it really, that's, that's time well invested to get to know who the good operators are before you're putting your money with them. Oh yeah. It, anybody can put numbers on a page numbers, you know, as well as I do, Don, you put enough of these deals together, the numbers at the beginning of the deal and the numbers at the end of the deal are never the same. Yeah. It, yeah. it has to be the operator in between that's making it work. And, uh, you know, not that anybody wants to mislead you, but I'm just saying the numbers don't matter. It's the operator that they're going to make, they're going to do the right thing by you and investor capital. So for sure. Yeah. I mean, things come out of left field, right? Especially like what we're going through now. So, I mean, nobody could have guessed two years ago that interest rates would increase this amount in this amount of time. So it's the good operators that stand out in times like these, I think, versus for sure. bad operators. So definitely. All right, Joyce, so real quick, let's um, let's hop into the lightning round before I let you hop off. Okay. So what book or books have greatly influenced your life? Uh, well, I would say the number one um, is this book, Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. That's where this all started from. 
So that, and of course, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, those two um, by far. And, um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer, so the Bible is what guides me every day. So um, those three are definitely tops for me. Become your own banker. Who was that author again? Uh, Nelson Nash. Nelson Nash, okay. Yeah, he was the founder of Infinite Banking. And uh, he was our personal mentor. He lived right here in Birmingham and we had lunch with him and dinners with him and um, picked his brain until he passed away just a couple of years ago. Okay. All right. And how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? I always uh, point to a couple of things. Number one, I bought a condo 2004. Uh, that my wife and I lived in as our first home, we outgrew it like very quickly. And uh, I did not intend for it to be a rental property. It was just going to be a primary residence. And when we went to sell it, we had overbought to begin with. Imagine that like we, we put in all these upgrades and things like this, and it was just way overbought. And so the market was not keeping up with the price that we paid. And so I was kind of stuck and I was like, well, I guess I can just try to, you know, rent it myself. Well, the cash flow on that was nothing. In fact, I think there was some negative months in there where it cost me more to rent it than, you know, because the mortgage was more than my rent. Fast forward, um, this thing, you know, had various different problems from time to time, water leaks, HVAC goes out, like all these things. And I'm just like, this is the worst investment ever. But but again, I didn't start with it as an investment. It was just a primary home. And fast forward to 2020, um, we ended up using that condo to trial out our short-term rental business. And we switched it from a long-term rental to a short-term rental. And within the very first month, I had never, no, again, I had never made more than probably a hundred dollars a month in passive cash flow on that property. In the first month of switching it to put it on Airbnb, that thing made over twenty one hundred dollars, and thus it it netted us like over eight hundred dollars a month in passive income from that point forward. So to me, it was a major failure, and now it's become. The, the first of, we had, we got up to 27 units here in Birmingham uh, for our short-term rental business because I had this condo we could trial it out on. So yeah. I'm glad I made that mistake so many years ago. Okay, awesome. All right, so if you could have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Golly, you know what? Um, I wish I would have looked at these questions earlier, but... Um, <laughs> I, you know, a billboard anywhere, maybe, I guess, I mean, it makes sense you put it in Times Square because that's where there's the most eyeballs probably at one place in the world, or maybe in Tokyo, probably yeah. you, you'd know better in, than I put would. Put it in Shibuya, it's like, yeah. it's like <laughs> Times Square, yeah. Yeah, and I would say financial freedom, passive income greater than monthly expenses. Awesome, awesome. All right. So what is a habit or routine that you love? You know, um, I am really not like one of the, you know, you probably interview guys that are way more successful that are, you know, like the, the Navy SEALs of the world that are like super disciplined. I'm not that guy. 
what I love to do is I love to get up in the in the morning and spend time making breakfast with my girls. I got five daughters and it's just a time I look forward to, to spend time with them. And, um, you know, we do a devotional time together. It's just a time to get started for my day before we, uh, we get to go in, on work and school. Hey, nothing beats that, right? Spending time with, with the kids. I mean, can't beat that with anything. You never get it back. I can assure you that. Definitely. All right. And, um, one more, and I'll let you get out of here. This one, actually, I usually do four of these before, so I apologize I didn't, I didn't get this to you before. But this is <laughs> no probably worries. this is the last one, and probably the one that goes the deepest. But um, what important truth do very few people agree with you on? Important truth do very few people agree with me on? And um. I, I don't know. I, I would say I'm surrounded by a lot of people that believe what I believe about passive income. Now um, it's not always easy for people to gain that um, I'd say from a spiritual level that, that there really is one way to, to God, right. That he is a jealous God. He doesn't want a bunch of other gods um, taking the place of him. And, and so for me to, to, you know, he's going to be Lord of your life or you're going to be Lord of your life. And for me, I've chosen to have him as Lord of my life. And sometimes that makes me not really, you know, that palatable or that, uh, prop, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not, not very, um, ah, what's the word I'm, I'm thinking about. It happens to me all the time. I, I lose my word. Yeah. Uh, basically not very popular. That's the word I was looking for. But at the end of the day, I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to, you know, share about him and share about freedom in general. You can't have financial freedom without spiritual freedom. And so I think that's a truth that potentially I may be in the minority about. Okay. Awesome. And just on a different side note, before I let you hop off, Joey, um, so I mean, I know you're a religious guy. So how do, do you come across the mindset with um, many Christians that it's noble to be poor and they kind of frown upon oh. accumulating wealth? How do, how, do you, how do you balance that or combat that mentality? And I'll tell you, this is the thing I think the, the church has screwed up more than, more than most things. And that is their view of wealth is so bad, yeah. right? They think that if you have money, you must be doing something wrong. You must be, you know, uh, not following God's will in some way, shape or form. And the reality is, is that money is just an object that we're called to steward, just like time, just like our bodies, right? All these things are given to us. They're not things that we've done on our own. And, and so for us, um, you know, I, I had this, one of the guys in our community the other day, he said, man, uh, pray for me. I feel like I've been spending too much time thinking about what I need to do with this money and like how to invest and create cash flow." And I said, well, let me challenge you on that for a second. If someone were giving you a million dollars and they said, hey, I want you to steward this well, I want you to take care of it and grow it and and, you know, make good decisions about it. How much time do you think that they would want you to spend 
thinking about it, planning for it, and like watching over it. Like an hour a week, an hour a day, an hour a year. I said, because most people spend less than a few hours a year thinking about what to do with money. And it, they're not stewarding that money well at all. But man, you've been given this money for a reason, and it should be used to grow the kingdom. <clears throat> and if it's used to grow the kingdom, that means it's got to grow. It means you got to do something with it. And uh, it, it it is a wise use of your time to invest in your knowledge, your education, and in various, like I said, operators and all those things. You have to be the the steward that takes that talent and grows it. And uh, so, yeah, there's there's a million things we could talk about, Donald, as it relates to what Scripture says about money and what the church has interpreted it poorly uh, in the meantime. But, man, it's a, it's a passion of mine to teach, um, you know, the truth of that. Oh, I love that. Thanks. Thanks for that. So, yeah, excellent. Excellent, Joey. So before we hop off, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, collaborate with you, learn more about what you and you guys are doing what's the what's the, the best way for them to get in touch with you well we created a page um the wealth of that wall street.com forward slash dealmaker diaries and on there you can set a free 15-minute call with one of our coaches you can take our financial freedom analyzer it's a quiz that we put together to find out how close you are to financial freedom um, or you can inquire or apply to one of our masterminds uh, that's all about passive income and financial freedom so yeah, help, hit us up on there, and we're we're glad to connect with you. Okay, yeah, we're running that on the bottom of the screen, and also what um, your podcast? What's the name of your podcast? We're we're not really uh, unique. We just call everything the same thing: wealth without Wall Street. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you guys check that out as well. A lot of good good information there, also. All right, Joy. So yeah, so great having you on today. I hope to hope to talk with you again soon. Definitely want to have you back on in a few months. Talk a little more, but yeah, definitely. Thanks, Donald, for thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. All right. Thank you, Joy. You have a good one. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves.